0: Hey, I'm super excited to be here. I'm super excited about Wisconsin in general. Uh, One thing I've been learning, Wisconsin is definitely different um, from Tennessee. Moved up from Tennessee about a month and a half ago. And so in Tennessee, if you go to summer school, like that's a bad thing. Like that's a bad thing if you go to summer school in Tennessee. So I moved up here, I live with John and Ashley, and that has been amazing. But like, one of the first nights I was there, they was like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, I'm gonna be in Madison, just trying to get to know the city. They were like, cool, Um, we're gonna be out for a while, we're gonna take our kids to summer school. And in my mind, I was like, all three of their kids failed school? Like, wow! Like, I know why God has me here now. Like, it's to educate their children. Like, they're awesome pastors, but man, they're not teaching their kids anything. So." Summer school is different here. Apparently, like it's like fun, right? And so, man, a lot of differences here. And um, everybody's been asking me, man, how do I love Wisconsin, man? My response has been the same. Man, it has been incredible. It has been amazing. It has been beyond awesome, but ask me again in January. And um, yeah. <laughs> I'll get back and give you the real answer. Um, So I came from Tennessee. I was at an awesome church down there. Um, Usually, sometimes when people leave churches, it's not on good terms. Um, Man, I'm blessed that um, mine was on good terms. Um, We had a student ministry of about um, 200 kids that I got to walk life with, and um, it was amazing, and God did awesome, awesome things. Um, But the Lord began to just put on my heart that, man, my time in Tennessee was coming to a close, and Man, I had no idea that God would ever speak that to me because I was the guy that was always telling people in my age group, hey, guys, man, let's stay here, man. Let's build God's kingdom here. Um, but the Lord had a totally different um, plan for my life. And, um, and I want to encourage you this morning as we get ready to go into the Word. Uh, man, God's plans for you are always to bring glory to himself, but they're also good for you. His plans for you are very, very good. Man, I had it made in Tennessee. Man, I was extremely connected. Uh, Man, people had my back. Um, It was was the dream job. And I didn't think it could get any better than that. And um, the Lord began to um, just put on my heart. Man, that time's coming to a close. So I began to pray a prayer. Whenever, wherever, whoever. Lord, whenever you want to take me, wherever you want to take me. He has a sense of humor. Um, And whoever you want to bring me to. Whatever people group that you want me to do life with. And I surrendered that to God. And uh, man, as, um, as that process began, um, wow, I ended up here in Wisconsin. Um, Ashley reached out to me. I flew up for a week, stayed here for a week. It was awesome, it was amazing. I got to connect with some students, and I saw God's fingerprints all over that trip. And I knew this was the place that I was supposed to be. Um, So living with John and Ashley, um, I hang out with their boys a lot, Beckham and Easton. And, uh, man, one thing that we do a lot is um, we play Fortnite. Like, that's just what we do. If you got a middle school boy or an elementary boy, you know what that is. That's Fortnite. That's what we do. And so, like, I'm absolutely terrible at Fortnite. Like I'm horrible. So they're downstairs, they're playing, they're with their friends, they're online. I'm thinking that Easton and Beckham are having arguments with themselves, but they're talking to people that live in Japan. And I'm like, what's going on? I don't know what's going on, but I want to be a part of this. So I would just come in, i just sit on the couch and just sit beside them, hoping that they see me. they never recognize me until i bring it up. Like, I want to be a part of this. So I got a PlayStation 4 and they come and they download the um, game on my PlayStation. And I'm like, let's do this, let's get this in, like I'm ready, right? And I begin to play, and I'm awful, I'm horrible. I don't even know how to download the app to my system. So man, I'm in my room, I'm trying to play it, and then I, I just keep screaming Beckham's And I'm like, Beckham, I need your help. I don't know what I'm doing. So he has to pause the game, come in, get my controller, or some people call it a joystick, and he has to take it and he has to fix it. And this happened like 12 times, right? And as I was like thinking about that, I was like, man, that's our life. That's my life. Man, I got the control and I don't even really know what I'm doing. And I would scream for Beckham, and since he knows the game inside out, man, he would come in, man, he would take this joystick, and man, he made it so simple, and he made it so easy. And guys, my transition from Tennessee to Wisconsin, man, I had to give the control up. Man, I had it made, but I had to let it go to trust God had better plans for me than I had for myself. And maybe that's you this morning, in your marriage, Maybe you're walking out being a parent. Maybe there's some things going on at your school or your job. Maybe you're a teenager in here. Man, my encouragement to you this morning is man, just give up the control. And um, as we walk out the next 25 minutes together, man, I really uh, want your heart to be open to what Jesus has for you today. Um, YouTube, 2 um, they came out with a song back in 1987 and um, it was number one on the charts, and it was called Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Big hit, and um, guys, even though today I'm a 608 pastor, even today I work at a church, that's not how my life started. My life did not start like that. I did not grow up in a culture where we went to church. I did not grow up in a culture or family where we talked about Jesus, or even where we had dinner around the table, or where Bibles were in the house. That just did not happen. That was not the reality. When I was six years old, uh, my dad went to prison. My dad, um, he got locked up. He, um, He shot a couple guys in Ohio, and he was locked up in Cleveland, Ohio. I grew up in Tennessee without a dad. As a matter of fact, everybody in my neighborhood, all of my friends, we grew up without a dad. And so my mom, who was a great woman, one of the strongest women I know, man, she had to work. And she had to work a lot. And because of that, man, I kind of missed out on a relationship with my mom. So I didn't have either parent. And so my older brother, who's seven years older than me, and um, some of his friends, they kind of raised me. And we grew up in poverty. We grew up in the inner city. And man, as I got older, uh, man, a lot of gang activity. Man, a lot of just living in brokenness. Had no idea Man, that God had a plan for me. There is no reason why I should be in some prairie, Wisconsin, on a stage in a middle school, talking to you about Jesus. The percentage of that happening, based on the neighborhood I grew up in, based on the things that I used to do, is a very slim chance. When I was 17 years old, I had been in a gang for two years. I've seen drive-by shootings, and one of my friends just kept inviting me to church, telling me it's a different way it's a better way. I wasn't buying that. It's hard to see a better way while all around you see brokenness. And maybe that's you this morning. Man, maybe you had to force yourself to come to church this morning because you just haven't been seeing the goodness of God because there's so much brokenness around you. My friend kept asking me to come to church. I finally went. Not, he probably thought I was an awesome person. Like, oh yeah, Michael like wants to come to church. No, I just came for, he, so he could just stop asking me. That's the reason I went. And it's so cool that that video was shown today because when I came to that church at 17, I was in 11th grade. I walked in and the first thing I saw when I looked to the right was a table of chicken wings. (laughs) I said, man, I'm in the right place, bro. Is this what I've been missing out on? Dude, you should have just told me y'all had chicken. I would have been here. So we in the wings, man, we having a good time. There's girls in the youth group. I'm like, bro, this is the place. Like, bro, I'm here every week for real. Like, I'm here. Like, when the preaching start, I'm going to leave, but right now I'm here. All right? And so, like, that was the move. I was like, I'm in this thing. It was on a Wednesday in March. I'll never forget it. And um, so we're hanging out. We're doing our thing. And I are like, okay, we're going to get everybody to come to the big room. I'm like, what's the big room? What's happening here? So we go in the auditorium. And I remember this, man, I sat on the last row. Man, I was by myself. My friend, he was already kind of connected, right? He went there, he was a part of youth group, and I just sat on the last row, didn't want to be there. Man, I was broken. As in my school, I was an 11th grader. Man, I had popularity, I was that guy. Man, I was still empty though. Man, I was kind of like that song from YouTube. Man, I still haven't found what I was looking for. Man, I grew up fast. I, I grew up around older people. I grew up really fast. I had engaged in a lot of things really quickly. And, man, I was running dry. I was like, man, if this is all life has to offer, man, what's the point? And I never heard anybody say this. The guy got on the stage, and he said, no matter what you've done in your life, man, Jesus is for you. Man, and he offers his love to you freely tonight. And it blew my mind because I struggled with believing in God in the first place. I didn't believe it was a God. And if there happened to be a God, he didn't want anything to do with me. Like, I was a bad person. Like, I was in the category of bad people. I was like, he don't want anything to do with me. And when I heard that he loves me, no matter what, as a 17-year-old in 11th grade, everything changed that night. Man, Jesus saved me that night, and everything changed. Um, There was a group of guys, a part of an organization called Young Life, and then another organization called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. They would come into my neighborhood and just get me. They were college students, and, man, they would just share the gospel with me and my life was forever changed, forever. I ended up going through a ministry school, through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, graduated, and I've been youth pastoring since I was 21, I'm 28. But when I got saved in 2008, when I was 17, immediately afterwards, it was, um, my friend group was six of us. Man, two of my friends were murdered. That's the life that I was living. Some of my friends had got locked up for murder. Those are the people that I was around. That's the culture that I grew up in. And man, and Jesus rescued me out of that. And so I don't know where you're at today, but there are some things that Jesus just want to come and meet you right there. If he can meet me where I was at as a 17-year-old straight heathen, man, he can meet you where you're at this morning. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into Scripture. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. You're good. And Lord, even as I um, share that story about where you brought me from, Lord, it's as real to me today as it was when I was living it in those moments. Lord, I know the brokenness that I come from. Lord, I I know the peace that I was searching for, and I remember when I didn't have it. And Jesus, your plans for us are good. And Lord, you don't just want that for me. And Lord, you just don't want that for the people that's on stage. Lord, you want that for all of your people. And so Lord, we're going to preach peace today. We're going to preach encouragement and we're going to preach Jesus. So we dedicate this time to you. We dedicate this space that we're in to you, this middle school. Jesus, you can show up in a school, in an auditorium, and you can do work because you're God. We trust that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, right before I jump into the Word, I just want to share a couple of fears that I got with you this morning, and then we're going to go straight um, to John chapter 4. And man, the story that we're sharing today is really, really messy. Like you're going to see Jesus' personality on display. You're going to see how Jesus kind of operates, how Jesus communicates with people that he loves. And then you're going to see like this lady who's just in some brokenness, and it's going to get real. Can you just look at the person beside you and say, it's about to get real? Now, look at the other person and say, it's about to get real. It's going to be real messy. It's going to be really, really real. But before that, I just want to share a couple of fears. Uh, I'm going to share one when I was 14 years old. I'm going to share one um, that I have right now um, as I get ready to pursue future things. And then I'm going to share one that I have on this date on July 14. So um, let's rewind um, to when I was 14 years old. I moved into a brand new neighborhood and um, and I was looking for some friends and I found them. They took me in and they were awesome. They were great, great guys. I loved them. Like those are my boys. And um, for me to kind of be accepted and for me as a 14 year old to kind of get some rank, man, I just lied to them for like nine months. And one day this lie came to the front. All right. I told them, I said, man, I am an awesome driver. I'm the best driver that y'all know. They're like, well, where your car at, bro? It's like, man, we moved to a new neighborhood. We come bring the car. And they believed me. I was like, man... These are some guys I want to hang with. I can tell them anything. I was like, yeah, man, we couldn't bring the cars, couldn't bring the vehicles, you know. So 14 years old, Halloween of that year. Our high school is having this huge Halloween party. Man, I'm at my house, I'm getting ready, and I hear a knock on my door, and it's my very best friend. I open the door, I'm like, what's up, bro? And he just pulls out a set of keys. He says, check this out, bro. Just got a new car, since you're my best friend, You can drive her to the party. Threw the keys in the air. Those keys were in the air for like 30 seconds. I was. (laughs) Snatched the keys out of the air. I'm still got confidence on the outside. I'm walking with a sweater, right? But on the inside, I'm falling apart. On the inside, I'm like, what's about to happen? I'm about to kill everybody. I really don't know what's going on. These guys are not gonna forgive me for wrecking their car. Scared. So we get ready to get in the car. Man, my best friend, he's in the passenger seat. My other best friend, Trey, he's in the back seat like, whatever, let's go, right? He had been doing some kind of drugs, I don't know. But he's like, whatever, let's do this, right? So man, I put the key in ignition. I seen my mom do that, so I knew how to do that, right? I still got confidence, foot on the brake, let's go, right? I look down, and I just see a whole bunch of letters. I see a D, I see an N, I see a P, I see a R, I look at my friend, he look at me, he smiling. I'm like, he don't know what's about to happen. I'm like, this R has to mean real fast. This is what this gotta mean. Like, it gotta mean that. So I put it on the R, I'm smiling, I got that swagger. Pedal, bro, and we're screaming. Up until this point, I'm like the tough guy. Like everybody's like, yeah, Mike, he'll do anything, bro. Like, he the man. At this point, I lose all those credentials. They're out the window, gone. That way, just on the box to the left, everything you own. It's out of there, right? and we're done. Needless to say, in that moment, it was very fearful, and I was in the back seat on the way to the party. I said, bro, just get in the back. That was a very fearful moment. Another fear that I have. So one day, I'm going to find the love of my life, and we're going to get married, and one day we're going to have kids, and because of that, we're going to have a gender reveal party. One of my fears is at that party, while everybody's drinking punch, all this commotions going on, everybody's having a great time, smiling for the pictures. That when the gender is revealed, that I'm going to see pink. That's one of my biggest fears. <laughs> I don't want to see pink. Now, am I against sweet baby girls? No. I love a little baby. Nothing wrong with a sweet, precious baby. But that sweet baby is going to grow up to be a middle school drama queen one day. And I've been a youth pastor. Middle school girls go through some stuff. I'm like, is it the state fair all the time? Because you're on a roller coaster all year. Just all year. You're on a roller coaster. Get off the roller coaster. And it's in those days that my words will not have any weight at all. The only words that would have weight are those from Justin Bieber. (laughs) Nothing against the Beeps. I'm for the Beeps, baby, baby. Oh, I'm for that. All right? I got his back. But... That's one of my fears. So I seen a meme on Facebook, and I'm stealing it, and I'm going to hold it on, and that meme will live forever in my family when my daughter is born. The meme says this. When I have a daughter, I'm going to name her Taken. So when a boy says, hey, I'm Jack, she's going to say, hey, I'm Taken. And she could be single forever. That's what it's going to be. That's going to be my household. Hey, don't judge me. I'm not judging you, all right? Don't even do it. At all. Um, but those are my fears, right? And the last fear is today, July 14th, 2019. Um, man, this fear kind of overrides the fear of having a daughter. And um, it also overrides the fear of, um, man, when I was 14 going to that Halloween party. Um, the fear today is that, man, we will come in here together. Man, we will worship. We will sing about that reckless love that God has for us. Man, we will hear the gospel of Jesus presented, right? And we will be together in community as a church. But, man, we will leave not changed. Man, how many times do we just go through the motions and that, man, Sunday is just another check off the box. Church, check. Lunch, check. Man, it's so much more than that. So when we pray, man, we want to dedicate that time to Jesus. Because at any moment that you're open to it, man, Jesus can come in and he can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. So, guys, let's just open our hearts. Man, let's listen with our hearts because Christ, man, he wants to do something, man. I believe he's the same God, man, that saved me when I was 17, and he can still do work today. John chapter 4 is not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you, man. It is a messy situation, and um, man, but it's good, man. God can meet us in the mess, and so whatever you're facing this morning, man, no Jesus can meet you there. Check this out. John chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself did not baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to a nearby village in Samaria, near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples were hungry and had gone into the village to buy Chick-fil-A. Well, not really. They went to buy food. I just like to think that it's Chick-fil-A. All right. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? All right, we're going to pause right there because we got a lot going on. All right, we got the disciples. They're in Chick-fil-A. They're living life. They're going to get food for Jesus. He's tired. He's hungry. They're going to pick up the food. We got Jesus who is a Jew talking to a woman who is a Samaritan. like Jews and Samaritans, like they don't mix. They don't do life together at all. When they're passing by in public, they do not talk to each other. This never happens. In other words, this Samaritan woman might as well be wearing a Chicago Bears jersey, and Jesus might as well be saying, go pack, go. That's what's happening right now. It never happens, right? And also in this culture... A woman doesn't talk to a man in public unless her husband is present. So we're looking at a conversation that should have never even taken place. But the truth is, this is the longest recorded one-on-one conversation that Jesus has with anybody in the scriptures. A conversation that should have never happened. Maybe you're in here this morning and you're thinking, man, God wants nothing to do with me. Man, I'm just going to stay in the back. Man, I'm just going to play it safe. I'll come listen to the songs. I'll come listen to a speaker. But I don't think God wants to do that in my life. I have no reason to be in a conversation with him. My encouragement to you this morning, man, Jesus wants to do something incredible in your life in this moment. But he wants you to take it with you outside of this building. Also, it's noontime. Nobody goes to a well at noon. That's why Jesus and this lady are the only two there. Nobody goes to a well at the hottest part of the day. They go super early, and they go ahead and get it all over with while it's still cool. This lady is here at the hottest part of the day, and this story is about to get messy. Jesus is amazing, and because he is God, he can be petty whenever he wants to. We're about to see this. Check this out. Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus should do water commercials, like for real, like I would drink that. (laughs) Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. (laughs) You have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth when you said you don't have a husband. Uh Oh, man, (laughs) Jesus. I'm glad my prayers aren't like that. All right, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while us Samaritans claim that here on the mountains is where our ancestors worship? So they go into this long conversation about where should we worship and where shouldn't we worship? And so after Jesus tells this lady about her life, she begins to look at him a little different. She says, okay, I get it. You're not just some man at the well. You're a prophet. Okay, that's awesome. So prophets were, they were known in this culture right? They were studied um, in the older books by this culture. So she knew that prophets existed. She knew about these things. She said, okay, he's a prophet. So she begins to ask these questions about worship and this and that. And Jesus said, I just want people who are going to worship me in spirit and in truth, no matter where you're at, no matter where you're located. But this woman's perception of Jesus is kind of like ours, so, prophets are a good thing. Great men of God are all throughout the Bible. Great men, whether they're prophets, teachers, or leaders. Moses, Abraham, David, Solomon, Peter, and Paul. Like, these are great people. She kind of classifies Jesus as probably in the same category as like an Abraham or a Jacob. But he's more than that. As great as those men are, Jesus is in a class by himself, and this lady is face-to-face with the one who can ultimately change her life. And that's where we're at right now in this moment. We're face-to-face with a God where we have dedicated time to a God who can come in and He can do work. There are a lot of good things in life. There are a lot of great things that bring us fulfillment, and there's nothing wrong with that. There are a lot of things that bring us joy. There are a lot of things that get us going, and we love life because of it but it's only one that can be your ultimate fulfillment. So one of the things that's been very fulfilling in my life lately has been with Pastor John, just hanging out with him, and I got me a little Netflix show now. So I'm always in public, and people are always talking about, like, what's your show? And I didn't have one, all right? So I finally got me a show. I've been watching Stranger Things, and I've been watching that with, okay, yes. We had to do a little, yeah. Stranger Things Marathon. So I'm with John and like we're watching this and like I'm, I'm like, I'm, we watched it last night in the basement, in the dark. Like that is no way to prepare for a message on a Sunday. Let me just say that. But like, that's one of the fulfilling things like I look forward to, it. we're gonna knock out like three episodes a night. Like, and that's with John, Like he's cool. I love watching it with him. Like John, can you hold me? Like, it's amazing, <laughs> right? It's awesome. That's something that's fulfilling, but that can't be the ultimate thing in my life, right? Like a Netflix show isn't worthy of my worship. Like it's only one that's worthy of me giving my entire life to. And this lady's in front of the one who does that, but she mistakes him as just another thing. He's just a prophet. He's just another thing. Jesus is the ultimate thing. This is a response after her and Jesus go back, and Jesus says, Man, I just want people going to worship me in spirit and truth. Well, she's had enough. And this is what she says. It says, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I'm going to ask Brent to come up and play behind me because when he does that, it makes it sound like I know what I'm doing. She says, I know who he is. Christ will tell me everything when he gets here. His response is, I'm here. This is me. She wanted to wait till another day. I put that off on another day. We, we'll handle this when he gets here. We, we'll take care of all this baggage that we need to unpack when he gets here. That, that'll be another day. And Jesus said, no, today's today. I'm the Messiah and I'm here. If it's nothing else you hear today, hear this. It says, at this, the woman left her water jar and went to the village and told everybody, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. If you don't hear anything else, hear verse 28. The woman left her water jar and then she ran to the people that she used to avoid Cause she's at the well at noon. She's had five husbands. She's with a guy right now that's not her husband. There's a lot of rumors going around about this lady. So she isolates herself. But after she's encountered Jesus, the very thing that she was avoiding, she runs to. She says, let me tell you about somebody I met. What are you avoiding this morning? What's going on in your life? Is it problems within that marriage? Is it problems with, man, figuring out how to be a parent and raise kids? Is it a problem with, man, I'm a student in middle school or high school and, man, man, life just crashing in? Is it, is it that you're a young adult, you're a college and you just, you're just trying to figure life out and you don't know and so you're just going to avoid it? Man, it says that she met with Jesus. Man, she, was, she wasn't avoiding things anymore. That's one more part of that says she left her water jar. The one reason she came to the well in the first place, because she's thirsty, right? And we're all, we all were born with a thirst. Everybody in this room, we were born with a thirst. We, we crave things and we, and we search fulfillment, right? And we want to be filled and we want to have a life that's full of joy. Everybody in here desires to be happy. But after she met Jesus, The one reason she came to the well, she left without it. What's your jar this morning? What is that thing that you think brings you ultimate satisfaction? That you think makes life the best? Guys, if it's anything other than Christ, it's unfair. It's unfair for us to put it on somebody else to be our ultimate joy. It's unfair for us to put it on something else to be our ultimate satisfaction. Only Jesus can do that. And maybe you say, you know what? I hear what you're saying, but I haven't felt God or heard God in a long time. I hear you talking about this Jesus. I hear you talking about that he comes down in the mess and that he meets us, but I just haven't felt God in a while. Man, there's a story that I shared with 608 that I want to share with you this morning. And I believe it's one of the clearest ways that we can see Jesus' love for us. Maybe you're saying this morning that, man, that God's love is probably for everybody else, but I'm too far gone. There's a passage in Matthew 28. Jesus says this. He he basically says he'll never leave you alone. He'll never leave you on your own. He says, you can be sure of this. I will be with you even until the end of the age. That's what he says. So this story, there's a husband and a wife. They've been married over 35 years. Uh, Man, their marriage is awesome. They have a great marriage. It's incredible. They have children and they have grandchildren and they are the best parents ever. They're the best grandparents ever. Man, they give to charity. Man, they are faithful at church. They always show up. Anybody in this city, when you ask, who do you look up to? It's this couple that you look up to. They are the great example and great model of what a marriage and what people in general should be. They're good people. Well, that summer, husband goes to the doctor and he finds out that he has stage 4 cancer. You might ask yourself, why do bad things happen to good people? Maybe you're there this morning. I try to do everything right. I try to get closer to God and in doing that it seems like the world's falling apart. So this husband finds out he has stage 4 cancer and him and the wife can say, you know what? Man, we, we can look at this thing two different ways. We can be negative. We can say why God, we gave you all of this just to get cancer or they can have hope that he's either going to get healed on earth or he'll get healed in heaven and so they run with the second option even though the doctor said man, you only have six months to live at the most they say, you know what, we're going to run with it man, we're going to live the rest of our life like it's the best of our life man, we're going to love our children a little more man, we're going to hug our grandchildren just a little bit more Well, that November rolls around, and even though they kept going to church, and even though they kept giving to charity, and even though they were still awesome to their children and their grandchildren, man, the husband still passed away that November. And it's tough. The following February comes and it's Valentine's Day, and the wife wakes up, and it's her first Valentine's that she's experienced without her husband in a long, long time. And it's a day that she's been trying to avoid. She knew that it was coming, but she knew that if I I could do anything to avoid this day, I wanna do that. So she wakes up and she goes outside on the porch and her porch is just lined up with flowers, candy, cards, anything that you could think of on a Valentine's Day that would be an amazing gift. Those things are on her porch. So she gathers those things, she brings them in the house and she makes phone calls to her family members, to her closest friends to ask who did this, who would give her these kind gifts. And every conversation ended the same. They said, I'm sorry, but it wasn't me. I didn't give you this. I I didn't buy this. I, I didn't have this delivered at your house. So a day that she has been trying to avoid, it just got that much more worse. She gathers these things up. She puts them in her car and she makes the longest drive of her life. And she's driving to this flower shop. She begins to have memories about her husband. And she begins to think that, you know what? The wrong delivery love was delivered at the wrong doorstep. She pulls up into the flower shop. She gathers all of these things. She walks in. There's a man behind the counter. And she says, sir, I hate to bother you on the busiest day of your year. She said, but you guys made the wrong delivery. And she begins to put the things on the counter one by one. And he stops the woman and he says, ma'am, did your husband recently pass away? She said, yes, he did. She says, well, when he knew that his time was short, he walked into our flower shop and he made this flower shop a payment big enough that you would feel love from him even when you couldn't see him anymore. He made this flower shop a payment big enough that even when he wasn't around or you could not feel his touch anymore, that you would still see his love. And guys, that's the gospel this morning. That's Jesus' approach towards us, that even when I can't see him, that even when I can't feel him, man, his love is still true because he made a cost. He paid a cost. Big enough, when he went to the cross, man, it was for you. I love that reckless love song that we sing. It says, while I was your foe, Still your love fought for me. Romans chapter 5 says that while we were still sinners, that's when Christ died for us. So wherever you're at this morning, whatever you're struggling with, whatever mess is happening in your life, man, be encouraged. Man, Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. He's a good God. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, you're good, and your plans for us are good. And Lord, as we, as we share a story this morning, a, a story that happened over 2,000 years ago, there's, there's a lady who's at a well with a jar, and she meets Jesus, and everything changes. And Lord, I'm just as guilty. And Lord but there's a room full of people, and we have our jar. And Lord, we're searching for fulfillment in this life. It's just like the YouTube song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Jesus is in you. Everything that we could want in this world is wrapped up in you and you alone. And so Lord, as we get ready to worship this morning, as we think about that story that happened years ago, Father, it's just as true today as it was then. You will meet us where we are, Lord, And Father, we won't have to avoid things anymore. And Lord, we can leave that jar at the well because the well runs dry and it will have us back the very next day because we were born with a thirst. And Lord, only you can quench that. So thank you for your love and thank you for your plan for our life. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Can we stand and um, worship our king, a risen king together?